WSJU Radio, The Voice. It's Nick Seal H. It's Nick Seal H. What's going on, St. John's? What's going on? What's going on? It's your boy Nick Seal representing WSAU Good Life Radio. I'm here with the one and only, fresh off the Grammys, Hip Hop Award. Not Hip Hop Award, because you know, don't really get those right. Fresh off of the Lifetime Achievement Award, the first rappers I think to get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is DMC. Yo, yo. How you doing, sir? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I'm in a place to be. Always. With my man Nick Seal keeping it real. Y'all know the deal. <laughs> um, I gotta ask, like, how was the drive here? The like, drive first was, things first. It was just a little crazy coming over the Cross Bronx, coming down across Bronx Expressway. Okay, so you're currently not in Queens anymore, then? I say no, no, yeah, I'm in Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm out in Jersey. Why the change? Well, my wife, because I'm always on the road. My wife is actually from Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, I met her walking down Broadway, and um, when we got married, she mm-hmm. came to live with me in Queens, but I'm never home, so this is when Jam Master J, rest in peace, was alive. We was touring all over the place, and I came home one day, and all the bags was packed in boxes and stuff, and I was like, what'd I do? What <laughs> She's like, no, no, nothing. We're moving to Jersey, because she got family in Jersey. So when I go on the road, she got her mother there. Um, she got, you know, friends and stuff that's in Jersey. So that's basically why. I would have stayed in Queens, mm-hmm. most definitely. So no warning? She just put all the stuff to yeah, the side? because yeah, you got to understand, it was like, she don't know nobody. Here. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Her family's in Hartford, and her mother, when her mother and father split, her mother came to East Orange. Okay. So she went to high school in East Orange. So she got roots in Jersey and Connecticut, no roots in Queens. So you got to make the wife happy. Yeah, happy wife, happy life, right? Exactly, yep, exactly. So let, since talking about more about Queens, how did, for the people of my era and younger, how did DMC start? How did, how did Run, Run DMC, DMC start? start? That's a great question. Um, Run put me in the group in 1983. But prior to that, prior to rap records being made, when hip-hop came over the bridge from the Bronx into Queens, it was something that we all wanted to do because it was just fun. It was like a way of life. As a kid, I was reading my comic books, riding my bike, riding my skateboard, going to the movies, loving Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then this hip-hop thing was just something that you wanted to do. The same way that um, I used to pretend by putting my blanket on my neck and pretending I'm Batman and Superman, the young kids in the, in the neighborhood... We just was pretending to be Grandmaster Flash and Africa Bambada and DJ Charlie Chase and the Grand Wizard Theater. It was a tent, pretend, make-believe thing. Okay. And then, you know, everybody just wanted to be a DJ the same way you wanted to be your favorite baseball player, basketball player. You know, in my, in my day, like kids nowadays want to be Curry. Right. You know what I'm saying? A couple of years ago, people wanted to be Jordan. So when we was growing up, everybody wanted to be Dr. J. 
or you go see a kung fu movie and you come out and for some reason you just run and you kick your friend in the back as hard as hell because you're trying to be Bruce Lee. So we was all pretending to be these DJs and these MCs and these break dancers and the graffiti writers, you know, of all the graffiti that we were seeing. So make a long story short, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Right. Run and Jade, though. Run went to my school, but he was always in the other class. So when hip-hop came over the bridge, and, uh, you know, I started hearing the music, and I started hearing the MCs and stuff like that. For me, writing rhymes was just another creative, artistic expression. You know right. what I'm saying? I heard um, one of the first records that I heard was um, Super Rapping with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And, and that was incredible and awesome. Rapper's Delight was cool, <laughs> but it wasn't the, 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 the rap that the younger kids was doing. Because people tend to forget when, 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 when before Run DMC started making records and before Rapper's Delight came along, there was two types of hip-hop. There was a hip-hop that was already in the clubs. Those were the older DJs like Eddie Chiba and DJ Hollywood and, and, and um, Pete DJ Jones and Grandmaster Flowers. Then there was a younger hip-hop, which was, you know, Africa Bambada, Zulu Nation, and all of these guys that were doing the party, and, and Cool Herc, they were doing the parties in the street. Right. Because if you listen to the early disco, if you listen to the early hip-hop records, it was, oh, the dudes that rap like this, I'm the disco DJ man. <laughs> so when that was the only thing out, that was the only thing the kids gravitated to. So I started hearing... Um, tapes of the Funky 4 Plus 1 and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5 before they made this record super rapping. So that's when I just started writing rhymes. You know, I, my first rap name was Easy D because my name begins with a D and it was easy for me to write the rap. So make a long story short, when I heard Rappers of Light came out, but then Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5, they put out a record called Super Rapping. Now, Rappers of Light was hip hop. The hibbit, the hibbit, hibbit, hip, hip, hop, you don't stop. But super rapping came on like this. It was a party night. Everybody was breaking. The highs was screaming and the bass was shaking. And it won't be long till everybody knowing that Flash is on the B-Box. Flash is on the B-Box going. And right. I was like, what the? It was just something about that that connected with me. And then these voices said, Introducing the crew, you gotta see to believe. Five different voices said, one, two, three, four, five MCs. I'm Melly Mel and I rock it so well. And I'm Mr. Ness because I rock the best. Raheem and all the ladies' dreams. And I'm Cowboy to make you jump for joy. Then the other four said, Creole. They said, Solid Go, Kid Creole, playing a role, dig this. So then I just really started writing rhymes about who I was because I couldn't relate to the disco rap. So to make a long story short, I'm writing all these rhymes in my basement, still reading my comic books. Joseph Simmons, who was in the other class, after school in eighth grade, we had a basketball rim. St. Pascal Bayline, 199th Street, Hollis, Queens. We had one basketball rim. Mm -hmm. In eighth grade, this dude named David McGeechan came to school for one year. At the end of my school, at, at the end of my elementary school journey, from, from kindergarten to eighth grade, this guy came in, no, he came in seventh grade. But in eighth grade, he dunked on a rim and he broke the rim. So now the little Catholic school kids don't have nowhere to play basketball after school anymore. But hold up, wait. My mother and father put a basketball rim in my backyard. So one particular day, 
I asked Joseph Simmons, yo, let's go to my house to play basketball. So he, we come to my house to play basketball. We played basketball, and this particular day, I, was, uh, I wasn't never supposed to have company. The rule was, what's the rule when nobody's home? When no parents is home, you don't have friends in the house. <laughs> but my mother and father wasn't getting home till 4 o'clock because we got out of school at 2 o'clock. So make a long story short, I brought running in the house to give him some water. He saw me and my brother's turntable set. My brother was three years older than me. He's the kind of, he's the guy that forced me to bring turntables and a mixer and records in the house because we didn't, we had a problem. We had no money when we was younger and we didn't sell weed. So me and my brother was broke, but we had all these comic books. So we did a comic book sale to buy two turntables and a mixer and records because that's what everybody wanted to do, to pretend that we How many books do you have to, to buy turntables oh, and a mixer? I, no, I had, I had a, me and my brother, we had a huge collection of Marvel comic books. I'm talking about... Every Spider-Man, every Iron Man, every Hulk, every Fantastic, huge. My 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 my, my attic was filled with comic books. Well, since you say that, let me cut you off right there. Yeah. Cause courtesy of me and WSJU, we got you your own Hulk. Wow. And Century comic. Wow. It's also a Nick Fury in the back. Wow! Wow! So wow. that's just I for you. Really appreciate. Wow, that's crazy. Now but, I really feel like a kid. So, <laughs> short, I let Joe in. He saw the turntables. He saw my um, comic books, and then he found the rhymes that I was writing, and he just looked at me and said, whenever my brother Russell lets me make a record, I'm going to put you in my group. And when he said that to me, I looked at him like this. It was like he was talking a foreign language. I was like, what the hell did he just say to me? Mm. Set change. Jam Master J and Rome went to Andrew Jackson High School in Queens. I went to Rice High School, 124th Street in Lenox um, in Harlem. 124th Street in Atlanta. So make a long story short, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, I graduate. I, I, I applied to St. John's University, so I know I was, was going to go to St. John's in September after the summer vacation. So I wrote a rhyme about it. Because I, I used to just write rhymes about everything that I did. So I wrote a rhyme. I'm dancing and place to be. I go to St. John's University. That was at the beginning of August. Halfway through August, the phone rings. It's Joseph Simmons. Yo, Daryl, remember four years ago when I said Russell, whenever Russell let me make this record, he said, grab your rhyme books. We go in the studio to make a record. We went to Green Street, we're studio, Green Street Recording Studios. We made It's Like That and Sucker MCs, the first single. Now, I start St. John's University. I get to St. John's University. I realize that um, college is way different from high school because nobody helps you. You're all alone. I only went to St. John's University because Run wasn't my best friend growing up. My best friend growing up was Douglas Hayes. So in 12th grade, when the guidance counselor put the big thing, the big paper, the big sheet in front of you asking you to pick something that you want to be and pick a college and a major, I had no idea. I saw the paper. I was like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. I'm a kid. I want to go home and write rhymes and read my comic books. So I turned to Butter, because Butter was a fat black dude <laughs> that could play basketball real good. And and I grew up with Mark Jackson, who went here, right. you know what I'm saying? Then he went to play for the next rookie of the year. So growing up, it was Butter and Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson would get 45 points and 100 assists. Butter would get 50 points and 100 assists. So Butter was my best friend. So in high school, I looked at Butter and said, yo, Butter, what do I do? And the moral to the story is don't follow your friends. It's good to get the advice. It's good to learn from their experiences. So he says, hold on, Daryl. He says, pick St. John's University. 
So I picked St. John's University. Then I said, what am I supposed to pick as my major? He says, hold up. He goes, pick business management. So now oh, I'm, in no. Man I'm in St. John's University realizing I don't like business management or none of that. <laughs> and I was at a crossroad. I'm, I got to grow up. Like, I'm, I, this is serious. First of all, me and Butter had no classes together. So I'm up here at St. John's University. I'm keeping it real. Scared to death. Scared to death. So I'm figuring out a plan. I'm like, man. I got to figure out what I got to do. So I went home. I was like, oh, mom, I hate business management. I hate bookkeeping. Um, I hate accounting and all of that stuff. So she's giving me this funny look. And she says, what are you going to do? I go, mom, I'll try to change my major to anything that has to do with drawing. Because art, I could do that. It was either going to be architecture or graphic design. Then I said to her, and if that don't work out, I'll just be drawing the cartoons in the local newspaper. Okay. My mother was like, oh, hell. No, Emma, effort, this and that. My father, calm down, women. It you know, got crazy in my house. My father, if, if that's all the boy can, I love my father, rest in peace. If that's all the boy can do, let him do that. So Run DMC saved my life. I'm going through the crush room. My mother was like, you get your ass back upstairs and figure out this school stuff. So I'm upstairs, the phone rings. Russell, I mean, Run goes, yo, remember that record that we went to the studio and made during the summer? I'm like, yeah, but Russell got us a record deal. So make a long story short, um, the record came along. I took a leave of absence from St. John's University, and I've been absent ever since. <laughs> it just wouldn't stop. I knew that we're going to put this light down, suck him seas out. I'm 51 years old now. My son's 21. I'm, in my mind, when we made our first record, I was like, man, when I'm 50 years old, I'm going to be able to look at my son and say, son, you know, when I was your age, 20, I had a record for one summer that was hot. I had no idea it was going to keep going. And that's how Daryl McDaniel's whole and run. He wanted to be run. He wanted to be the best MC. He wanted to be opulent. He mm -hmm. wanted to. He was always telling Russell, "I'm better than Grandmaster Flash and Curtis Blow and rappers alike." Because we gotta understand, Run was in Queens before rap records was made. Russell was a manager of the DJs and MCs, Curtis Blow, Houdini, Jimmy Spicer, and so Run saw the business. Run saw, yo, you can make money with this. Oh, my God, you could be famous with this. And once the record business started over with, Run was like, yo, that's what I'm going to do. And since he was under Curtis Blow, Run was the son of Curtis Blow at 12 years old. What Kurt used to do in the summertime, because Russell wasn't going to let him go during school time. Mm -hmm. But in the summertime, Kurt would bring Run on the road. And Run, and, Run, and Curtis Blow was one of those disco rappers. He would go, I'm bringing out my disco son, DJ Run. And Run would come out at 12 years old, get on the turntables and bust a rhyme cutest thing ever but when hip-hop when, when, when that younger hip-hop started coming along i was in rice high school so terence washington was bringing cassette tapes of grandmaster flash africa bambata funky four plus one um spoonie g cool mo d in the treacherous street soul sonic force jazzy five mcs the force mcs before the force mds became r&b group so i'm hearing all of this hip-hop before the, the age of records and the difference was the records was cool but on the cassette tapes the young people was talking about their sneakers they was talking about going to mcdonald's they was talking about movies they was talking about school up in the morning out to school teacher teaching the golden rule science math mathematics and history so i just started my, my rhyme skills elevated so when rem put me in the group what happened the only thing that we had to do was russell would say dmc come here let me see your book 
All right, go in there and just say all those rhymes, and then we would edit the records together. And that's basically how it went down. And I was just so good at it because even though, it's even with the comic books, I like to tell young people, when you imagine something, and when you think of something, it's done. Right. Or else you would have never had the thought. Now, are you going to be prepared and ready when whatever it is that you're looking for connects with you? So for me, I'm in my basement pretending I'm Easy D and the place to be and this and that. When I heard Grandmaster Flash and um, when I heard the Cold Crush Four of C's, Grandmaster Cass, who by the way wrote Big Banks Hank's rhyme on Rapper's Delight. Rumor has it that song was stolen. Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, okay, it confirmed. Was. It was. Confirmed. Because why do you think um, Big Bang Hank says, I'm the Grandmaster with the three MCs. I'm the C-A-S-N-O-V-A. Grandmaster Kaz is Grandmaster Casanova. What had happened was when Sylvia Robinson was putting Rappers to Light together, Big Bang Hank went to Kaz to see Kaz. Some lady wanted me to make a record, and Kaz threw him his rhyme book. Oh, so okay. when I heard the hip-hop that wasn't being recorded, that's what I wanted to represent because that was real to me. I didn't want to be on a record saying, I'm DMC, the disco rapper. I wasn't even old enough to get into disco. And that's how the whole phenomenon started. So what I take from this is we can confirm that Rabbit's Light was stolen. That's yes, one. Yes. Two, you could possibly still enroll in St. John's University to this day. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, you love, probably so, yeah. And you love comic books. Yes, I love comic books. Is my whole existence. And... And if it wasn't for comic books, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't never be the the the, the king of the hip hop universe. Because when Run came to me, everything that I everything that I did and do in hip well not now, everything that I written, initially did in hip hop was all make believe. When Run said, "Deep, we went to the studio, we made Sucker MCs and this and that, and then we made the first single, it did well. Then we had to make another single." We made Hard Times and J.M.S.A.J. And when I was writing my rhymes, I would sit in my room and I would say, okay, I'm going to pretend I am the most powerful entity in this hip-hop universe. If you look at comic books, comic books was always, it was always an adjective and then describe the character. Mm -hmm. The Incredible Hulk, the Amazing Spider-Man, the Invincible Iron Man. So when Run was trying to get serious with this hip-hop stuff. I said, I'm going to be the most powerful entity in this hip-hop universe. I shall become the devastating, mic-controlling DMC. And on the next record, I'll be the microphone master DMC. Thor is the son of Odin. Mm -hmm. So my father's name is Bifred. My mother's name is Banner. So I said, I'm going to become the son of Bifred, brother of Al. Banner's my mother and runs my pal. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's. Those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down. Everything that I wrote was a comic book journey. Listen to King of Rock. Crash through walls, come through floors, bust through ceilings, and knock down doors. What do superheroes do? So I'm writing all of this stuff, not realizing that all truths are, 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 are real. Okay. As a man thinketh, so is he. What a man beholds, he shall become. As a man, all of those, what you behold, you become, all of that. So I'm writing all this stuff. On, on, on a second single, we did Hard Times. Well, here's, a, here's another piece of hip-hop history. Hard Times, Run DMC's version, 
was originally a record Curtis Blow recorded on his album before we even came in existence. We just took it and did it over. It's like that style. But when we formed the group, we put the group together. We didn't have a DJ yet. Okay. We made our first single, and then Russ was like, okay, so who's going to be your DJ? And we said, oh, shoot, we didn't think about that. So we had to go to Queens, and in Queens, the block parties and the park parties still was being done. We chose Jam, we chose Jam Master Jay, Jason Marzell, to be our DJ, because Jay was there was two types of DJs, too. There was the DJ that would just play the records that people would dance to, like throwing um, Evelyn Champagne King, throwing Al Green, this and that. There was a DJ that could DJ at your mother's party. Just play, let the record play before it goes off, you're mixing it. Jay could do both. Jay could do regular DJ stuff, but he also could do what Flash was doing. Mm -hmm. Drop beats and do the equipment. Good times, bump, bump. Good times, good, good. He could do all the tricks and stuff like right. that. So we made Jay our DJ. And when we was going around, people, people were confused. Okay, if that's run, who's D, who's M, who's C, and who is this dude playing the records? So I had to, make a, I had to write a song to explain people who Jay was. So we came up with the record Jam Master J. J A Y all the letters of his name. Cutting and scratching. All the we methods to, of his yeah, game. Yeah, because we would show up and people would go, where the band at? <laughs> and we would say, the band, we point at J. J standing there with two turntables and a mixer. And even in the early days, promoters would be like, like when we first put out It's Like That Suck MCs, yo, we played with Marvin Gaye. We played with Parliament Funkadelic. We played with the Gap Band and the Barcades and Confunction. We played with ZZ Top. Like, we was... We, would, we had 20 minutes in these big arenas with the likes of Marvin Gaye and everybody, and we would play, and the audience would be like this, like, okay, what the hell? Where the hell is the band? But once Jay started, yo, I'm Jam Master Jay, this and that, boy, I'm about to call my man DMC out, DMC, and I come out, I grab one, two, one, two, can I have your attention, please? And I would just hit the b-boy stance, and they would go, oh, shoot, and I wouldn't even say nothing, they would mm. go crazy. And then Run would come out, you know, I'm, I'm running, and my efforts this, and throw the mic stand, and we throw your hands in the air, jump under down. It, the 20 minutes of hip-hop that we was presenting was busting the ass of all the bands that was coming on after us. To the point where we would do some shows and the people would say, no, no, the whole audience would say, no, no, no. Because y'all come back on and do that again? We're not, because <laughs> they didn't know what the hell was going on. So we just got a reputation for our performance and our show. Because the, the thing that really made Run DMC significant, we really didn't do, when I do lectures and I go to speak at high schools and middle schools, the first thing I say is Run DMC really didn't do nothing. But that starts a big debate. Oh, mother, first to go gold, first to go platinum. If you listen to the record, my Adidas, Run DMC's role in hip hop was to be the vehicle that would. We took the beat from the street and put it on TV, as it is. You know what I'm saying? Rappers before us didn't have no rappers to look up to. So when Grandmaster Flash and, and Africa Bambada got in show business, you know they put on the costumes. But their idols, if you look at Grandmaster Flash in the first five and um, Africa Bambada, they look like Parliament Funkadelic Rick James in the Rolling Stones. Right. With, the, with the, the, the leather and the feathers and the spikes and stuff like that. But the first rappers are the first rappers. They the real pioneers. They set the whole template, if that's a word. I ain't been in school in a minute. <laughs> but they laid it all, all down. When we came into show business, we wasn't going to change who we was just to get played on the radio or just to get seen on TV or just to get on a stage. So when we walked up in there with our jeans and sneakers like you, the audience didn't see celebrity. 
they saw themselves. Yo, I know a dude, that, that, that guy Daryl, that guy Jay's just like my uncle. That guy run, won't shut up. He run his mouth and he got an ego. Like, so when people saw him run the UFC, that was the real change. You didn't see celebrity no more. There was no separation. And that's the problem with hip-hop right now. There's a separation between hip-hop. I mean, even to the point when I travel the world, I'm talking about I travel the world. And the donation and stuff like that. And a guy come up to me, yo, DMC, man, when I was nine years old, man, you came to Brooklyn, man, and y'all got out your car and you was drinking 40s on the corner with us. And it, yo, I'll never forget that. I still got your autograph. You wrote it on a matchbook. You know what I'm saying? For us, even at the height of the career, there was never that thing where I can't stop and take a picture for you or have bodyguards put you in your back. So once you create that division in the culture, that's when the problems come in. And then when the money came in, you know, Ice-T, all of those cats said, yeah, Run DMC, they changed the culture, but they also showed, showed us that we could get paid with this hip-hop thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Doing the, the sneaker deals and all of that. So once all of that came in, that will pollute a culture. The success of any culture, the commercialization of anything artistic will get polluted and diluted and poisoned and possessed. But it's up to us to keep that alive. When you look at when you look at Washington, Washington D.C., go-go music. Go there right now and try to diss go-go music. Even when we was the badass Run DMC, they gave us respect. All right, Run DMC, y'all coming through with raising hell, but get out of here now. We keeping our go-go music alive. So everything that's wrong with hip hop is our fault for allowing it to get that way. It's not about censorship. It's not about freedom of speech. It's not about telling you what you can and can't do. But our form of hip-hop entertainment is a little different from all other forms of hip-hop entertainment. There comes a responsibility with this. And people still didn't learn from the God MC Rakim. Rakim didn't say, I'm Rakim Allah, I do stick-ups and I rob all of you right now and I'm getting paid doing it. And I know Rakim and them crews. Him and my cousin, my cousin hang with them. They'll go into IHOP with ski masters on and rob everybody. Mm-hmm. Put your money in the bag. But when Rakim got on his microphone, he knew he had a responsibility to that audience. That audience is him. So he said, I used to roll up. This is a hold up. But now I learned to earn because I'm righteous. And when he said that, all the little G's in the street and all the, yo, the God MC said that we ain't got to do stick-ups no more. Well, hip-hop has a problem. If you're going to say that, they're going to look at you saying, what's next? Right. But God, Rakim would tell you. Same thing with KRS-One. When I first put out, um, I'm DMC, in the place to be, I go to St. John's University. Since kindergarten, I acquired the knowledge. After 12th grade, I went straight to college. That little rhyme made the little shorties on my corner in Hollis come up to me and go, Daryl, because I wasn't famous yet. How the hell you go to St. John's University and you got Mercedes Benzes and gold chains and gazelles and, and big Adidas rings and this and that? I say, yo, not only do I go to St. John's University, I've been a straight A student all my life, five or six stars on the forehead. So I had that attitude, the same attitude that hip hop would, would talk about negativity. I sell drugs and this and that. And foolish America, I don't blame a culture, foolish America celebrates that. But what I'm trying to say is when I said that rhyme, some of them little shorties was like, I ain't selling drugs no more. I'm getting rid of this gun. Some of them went and got GEDs. And some of, some of them same kids called me on a, on, a, on a radio interview. Yo, DMC, man, just for your saying what you was saying, man, don't you know I thought I had it all. I had the Mercedes Benz, I had the gold chains, I had the Adidas, I had the Zells, and I realized well, here comes my idol, DMC, talking about school is cool. So I went and got a GED. But with my GED, I was able to take um, um, college courses at the local community college. And when I walked in that college, I saw a whole world. I saw a whole world that I didn't know exists. That's what hip hop did for me. It showed this little Catholic shy kid that wore glasses that got teased, teased, bullied, and picked on. 
that I could be strong. Don't be ashamed of the gift that you got. So I just started rhyming about things I like. I'm DMC, St. John's University, chicken and collard greens. I'm not going to rhyme about guns and drugs and stuff like that. First of all, I don't want a gun. I don't want to get shot because it hurts. (laughs) Second of all, I don't want to go to jail because I like my freedom, and I'm just keeping it real. But that keeping it real made me one of the most indestructible beings in hip-hop ever. Wycliffe said DMC is the only MC that can rhyme about St. John's University um, um, chicken and collard greens and sneakers and Christmas and make it gangster. <laughs> but um, what I was trying to say was we took the beat from the street and put it on TV. I got it from somewhere. I'm, I'm a student of Melly Mel and Cool Modi and Grandmaster Cass. You know what I'm saying? People don't know the legacy that those dudes have. I'm not talking about their records. People don't know Melly Mel, Cass, and all of them rhymed like me and run. Probably better. But when we got on the microphone in the studio under some corporate entity, we ain't let them change who he was. Our first record, um, Suck MCs, got turned down by every major label. You know, wanna, you want to know why? There's no way anybody's going to want to listen to some dude rhyming about chicken and collard greens at St. John's University. But didn't I change that? I didn't have to rhyme them gangbanging. And, you know, we use our negativity. We use our negativity to be cool. But using negativity to be dominant is a form of weakness. So hip-hop taught me, you know what I'm saying, through Africa Bambada and the Zulu Nation, which was the biggest street gang in New York. I get, I get all the gangbangers and all the Crips and the Bloods. Don't you know Africa Bambada and the Zulu Nation was the black spades? At one, what, it was a street gang? Yes. Yeah. But when they made records, they didn't rhyme about selling drugs. They didn't rhyme about all the sex they was having. They didn't rhyme about who they shot and who they killed last night. If you listen to Planet Rock right now, Planet Rock is better than 99% of everything on the radio. Why? Because Mr. Big's powwow on MC Globe and Africa Bambada was giving us vision and energy. The message came out from the, from, a, from, from the South Bronx, which was a war zone, saying something that our parents were saying, saying something that the adults were saying, saying something that preachers and politicians couldn't even get across on, on, on media or TV, Melly Mel came along and said, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Don't push me because I'm close to the... These are young dudes from the Bronx. Young rappers, young MCs, DJs, breakdancers, graffiti writers who the world thought these young people ain't worth nothing. But when we put the message out there, it changed the whole perception of New York City. Because when the early days when Run DMC was coming along, this place called Studio 54. So people was looking at Studio 54 on TV going, whoa, New York is where it's at, man. It must be heaven there. You know what I'm saying? You had Hollywood coming to New York to party in Studio 54. Studio 54, what is it? Rolls Royces, champagne, sex, drugs, all that stuff. Everything that hip-hop is now. It took a young dude to come out and tell the truth. Okay, now the truth is revealed. What are we going to do? Just like I said, when Rakim said what he was going to say, we look for what's, what's next, DMC, Mr. Know-it-all. What's next, Karis? When we always had a ne- what's next. What's next was Planet Rock. If you listen to that record, the music, the sound, the concepts, and the delivery. The Soul Sonic Force, Mr. Biggs, Pow Wow, and MC Globe, we emphasize to show we got ego. Make this your night, rock it by day. As the people say, live it up. Shucks, no work, or play our world is free. Be what you want, just be. But see, hip-hop doesn't want to just create rappers. See, that's what's bugging us OGs out. You know what I'm saying? Hip-hop didn't just create rappers. Rappers. It created 
personalities on the radio such as you, journalists, writers, artists, directors. Nowadays, when you say hip-hop, the first thing white people in Wichita think is the negative rappers. No. But now i got to ask you this now, because you got to a point I was going to go into. If you look at rappers nowadays, and even New York rappers, not many OGs are guiding us. Right. So it's like, afraid. afraid of what? They're afraid. What's there to be afraid of? Well, it's not, it's not the OGs. The OGs don't get hurt. We don't have act, Hot 97 and, 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 and Power 105 and all of them. They're not doing what you're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? You got to wait to hear OG on the old school at noon. I don't like the old school at noon. The old school at noon is disrespectful. Why, DMC? Because of this. When the old school at noon plays during the weekday, where are all the children? School. And where are all the parents? Work. So when they come home at 3 o'clock, though, and you turn on the radio, what do you hear? Drink this, this, and that. Nothing wrong with that. But kids are looking at our message that it's not being heard, played on the old school at noon at a time when nobody hear it, so that when they see me at 51, they think I'm old. But they forget I made all the music that changed the world when I was your favorite rapper's age right now. Right. Understand, I didn't start saying what I said for this last couple of minutes because I'm 50 or because I was 30. The typical MC was 12 to 22 years old, and we was dropping knowledge, wisdom, understanding, current events, history, humor, and controversy. You know what I'm saying? And what I mean by that now, the, the, the OGs will, will, will forget about, and I'm, I'm not talking about the OGs from the, the old school. I'm talking about a typical MC now is probably 25 to maybe 30. I'll say 32. Two. That's the typical range. Now, here's the problem. When I was 16 years old and I was in a room with 18-year-old people, boys and girls, I was in the room with people older than me. And when I was, in, when I was 18 years old and I was around people 21 to 25 years old, I was with people older than me. And what I mean by that was you got a kid 16 years old and he's standing in a room with some cat 25 to 30, right? That cat 25 to 30 dresses like him talks like him, acts like him, and even chases his women. Mm-hmm. But that 25-year-old lacks maturity. So the 16-year-old dude is looking at the 25-year-old dude and saying, I got to listen to this fool, and he's right. Now, our generation was like this. We 16 years old, we knew there was a process to success and to raise and to strengthen yourself. We knew that, all right, you want to drive, you got to get a permit. So you go get your permit. You got your permit. And then you're just waiting, you're hoping your mother and father, your older brother, lets you drive till the day that you can take the test. Here's what I mean by um, what's destroying our perception of our hip-hop culture. You got rappers making a lot of money, right? They can do stuff the legal way, right? They don't have to be bringing the nonsense in the street that's been destroying us for the last hundreds of decades. But the rapper, he gets this position, he comes through the hood in a Lamborghini. Right? The Lamborghini ain't got a license plate, right? So the cops who sitting there eating their donuts on the side of the road see the Lamborghini from the video. The gangster rap video where he was just walk, talking about how many guns he got, how much drugs he's selling, and how much hell and destruction he's bringing to the community. So the cops, they just doing their job. They pull the rapper man over. Can I have your license and registration? He ain't got a license. And if he got one... It's done revoked a hundred million times. He ain't got no registration. Okay, step out the car. Now listen, you smoke weed, it's all good. 
Why don't you just have a joint with you? Or tell your friend I'm coming over, have the joint laying for me at the next, the next location. Why do they got to have a pound of weed in the car? And then it's the next stupid thing. Hold up. You got enough money right now. You could tell your friends to c- quit the police force or take your homies from the street and send them to a, a, a firearms and, and lethal weapons and taxes training thing so they could be licensed to carry. Why the hell you got an unlicensed pistol in the car? But So now you get arrested. So what I'm saying is the example to the people lower to me. When I was 18 years old, I had a power that I knew existed. Listen to your elders. Remember that saying? Listen to your elders. Young people think elders don't know what the hell is going on. I had to tell my son every trick that you know. I was I was 10 once. So uh, y'all just doing it with technology. We did the same things. I know everything that's going on. But we did something smart. We listened to our elders, both sides of the stories. And the pimps and the pushers and the gangbangers from the old school generation, old school isn't a time period. Old school is a consciousness of artistically and create, creatively presenting who you are through whichever medium that is. It could be rap, it could be singing, it could be spoken word, it could be breakdancing. It could just be the way you look. You could say so much with your gear and stuff like that. But we knew this. We listened to the stories of the pimps, pushers, and killers. And we listened to our aunts, uncles, and that. We took all that information and put it on a record. So if I'm putting information from the elders, do you know how powerful that is? On a record at 18 now, now 17 to 2 years old is receiving that. So one kid who is 7 years old is going to receive that to me. So when he gets 18, he's a highly evolved individual. We don't have that hip-hop anymore. That's what I'm trying to figure out, though. But if we do, they don't get heard. But they go for a record deal, and they're thinking... You do something, Ice-T told me sex and drugs, sex and violence sells. Mm-hmm. Millions of dollars. Positive stuff sells too, but it takes some time. I don't need the $10 million in one year to sell 10 million albums, destroying and disrespecting my beautiful women and putting out ideas, uh, uh, ideas images, and concepts that's going to bring my people down. You know what I'm saying? So you can do that. NWA was necessary. You know what I'm saying? You were supposed to have Run DMC. You're supposed to have LL. You're supposed to have Public Enemy. You're supposed to have the BC Boys. You're supposed to have NWA. Problem with NWA is, oh, shoot, this gangster rap stuff makes money. So if you coming in like KRS-One or Kendrick Lamar back then, they're going to say, that's cool. You can rap and you're very musical, but could you be a little more like Ice Cube? <laughs> that's what's happening. And young man, what is he going to do? Man, this guy's about to write me a check for $50,000. You're going to go and change up all your rhymes. But the real... Champion, the real representative of his hip hop says, "I don't need your money, Mr. Corporation. I'll, if if it takes me five years to get to the fifty thousand, that's what I want to do. Because once you hit the fifty thousand dollar mark, no matter when you do, hit it, all of the same thing that was going to come five years ago is going to come. But the problem is, a lot of us hit those million dollar marks, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? At least the old school records, and you know, as a DJ, throw on a record that came out last year that nobody even want to hear anymore." But throw on an old school record and have a little kid in the room. He could identify not with the dopeness of the record, but the spirit. There's something about a little kid, 12 years old, going, yo, walk this way. When did this come out? Or hearing rock box. It's not about the music. It's not about me. It's not about the rhymes. It's about the spirit. And that's the thing that's missing with hip-hop right now. When I go and do shows now, I did a show in San Francisco, and I was happy I got this, um, this feedback. 
The young dudes came to see what's the big deal with the big old school DMC, old school over. I like when people say I'm over because that means I'm did something. When somebody calls me over, yeah, I'm over because that means I accomplished. What did you accomplish? So if anybody ever says you're over, you ain't on the radio more. Yeah, but what did you do? Oh, you was never on the radio. You never did. But what I'm saying, the, the young G said this. They saw my show. And I'm doing what I was doing when I was 12 years old in my basement. But if they never saw it, it's new to them. What I do is old to everybody that saw Run DMC up until now. But when I go tomorrow, if I go to Houston and I do a show somewhere, the OGs, the young guys said, yo, DMC, man, you put it down better than the youngins. Because at 51, I'm doing what I'm doing at 12, and it looks like it's something special. But this is what's even greater for me. The fans who are my age, 40 and older, came to me and said this. Yo, DMC, man, I came to see a show. I, was, I thought I was going to get some... Old man over old school rap BS. And what I mean by that? My uh Titas walk through, drop the beat. Just, nobody does that anymore. So what we represent in the old school is more powerful than us competing with the corporate business of it. If the hip-hop, if the record business ends tomorrow, hip-hop still lives on. Now I'm going to cut you off right there. Cut to a um, quick commercial break. That was a lot. That's a whole That's, lot. You see, you're beating sweat. I'm beating sweat. <laughs> you beating sweat. Because I got to get it in. I got an hour in. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is DMC. We back in about two minutes here, Sucker MCs. Now, the first single from Run DMC. We're back here with the legendary DMC in the building, everybody. I can't comprehend that word. Legendary? Yeah, it's big. <laughs> you just said it yourself. Superheroes, come on. It's the incredible Hulk. Know, the amazing Spider-Man. Can't you be the legendary DMC? Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. You know what? I'm sorry. I, like I can't say legendary because legendary means it's over. Right, right, right. Legend. Right. So, right. Living legendary. Okay. Li living legend. No, let's have a ring to it. It doesn't have a ring to it. Legendary. Let's keep it legendary. But For descriptive person. Since we're talking about... Comic books. Right. Issue two of DMC comes out. It's out now. It came no, out. It's out now. Okay. Yeah, issue three will be out in October. And is your comic book independent or is it? Yeah, I'm doing it all myself. Great. Originally, we was going to take it to Marvel and DC, but my editors in chief said, no, D, do it yourself. And then that way, you have creative control. Mm -hmm. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, one of the, the, the things that was exciting about doing a comic book was um, my, my partner, one of my partners is Riggs Morales who was with Shady Records during the rise of that great empire along with Eminem. And Riggs basically told me, you know, I was reluctant to do the comic book, but then Riggs said, D, you can do everything that you've done with your music with this in this form and then some. And I was like, yeah, that's right, yeah. We could tell stories, give messages, we could entertain, um, we could deal with um, the supernatural, the scientific, the occult. So it's... it's it, uh, it's almost like uh, uh, the rhymes that I'm writing, we're writing, can come to life at the comic book. So I gotta know how come, how come Run isn't in the book? Like That's a great question. Because in this universe, mm -hmm. that we're in this room right now, in this universe, DMC, his superpower is hip hop and rock and roll. Right. In that universe, I'm not a musician. I never meet Run. I go to St. John's University. I graduate. I become a teacher. And I'm in, in a universe where superheroes do exist. But in that universe, the superheroes that's... When you come into that universe, the superheroes that's there presently before I introduce the DMC universe lineup is... Um, it's like this. I'm a superhero. You want me to save your city? You got to pay me. 
And he's wow. just keeping it real. Think about that. If you had a superpower. Heroes higher. Yeah, exactly. You could get loot. And then there's other superheroes that um, I only defend the black people. I only defend the white people. There's other superheroes, and, and they're, they're like, they're, they're, they think they're doing good. I'm going to go kill all the gay people, and I'm going to go kill all the Mexicans and this and that. The people in that city know DMC's the superhero for all the people, mm-hmm. and he don't want nothing. So he's fighting the superheroes who people think are superheroes under whichever area that they f- can relate to. Sounds like basically you're saying DMC's coming at all the young rappers telling them y'all are messing up. <laughs> this is what it sounds like. Well, I'm just trying to provide universally. I'm just t- t- trying to create that planet rock mm-hmm. for everybody in the universe, which is c- kind of like what, what you know hip hop always wanted to do. You know, since day one, when we, okay. you know, when we came in, we knew there was a responsibility. Not saying this. Don't get me wrong. Get your money. I don't mind when dudes come and say, "Yo, I just want to do hip hop to get paid." If if you can do that and be successful, but don't forget about the roots that started in the Bronx and the purpose of the hip hop. Of course, it's entertainment. Of course, it's showbiz. But don't forget, there's a res- our responsibility is a little different, you know, because people are looking at us like we the coolest things on the face of the earth. Even to the point when, when you think of, you know, the so-called gangster rap label, I hate giving our music a label because then it divides. And then it makes people judge without judging on character and value of the whole scenario. Uh, one of my favorite records about the gangster lifestyle is mom playing tricks on me. If you listen to Scarface verse, if you listen to their verse, Scarface is saying, I'm a drug dealer, but don't praise me for it. I don't, at night, I can't sleep. I'm in church. Lord, take, take me from this life. Nowadays, to be cool and to be accepted, you can brag on a record. I'm moving bricks down I-95, and I'm cooking it up. You know, we don't want our children naming themselves after drug laws and mafia figures. Like, that's cool. You can do a record about those scenarios. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, I think it was Chuck D, Chuck D, Killer Mike, and um, Chuck D, Killer Mike, and 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 Romfest. Those cats are really, 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 really powerful individuals. Because Killer Mike had once said to me, we was going around Chicago talking at the juvenile detention centers. I'm talking about we was talking to murderers and killers and kids in there for crazy stuff. And Killer Mike said about seeing the old school, he said, man, what happened to the time when, you know, our young brothers and sisters was proud to point at St. John's University or Harvard on their sweatshirt? And what happened to the time? He said, your cats were so powerful because when we took pictures, it was about us. Mm. Fingers pointing at us. B-boy stance, you know what I'm saying, B-boy stance, look at me, this and that. He said, nowadays when kids do the album covers and the pictures, they hold the chain up and they point at the chain. No. Or they point at the rod, they point at the car. I have an answer for that for you. Why? Go ahead. All right. Now, me, I personally make music. I rap, DJ, make beats, all of that. And because of technology, if it kind of took the place of a role model. It's just, it sounds crazy, but if you think about it. That's what your success is. That's what success is to y'all. Right. That is, exactly. Because right. growing up, we're the product of kids in the 90s. And in the 90s, even though they weren't saying go out and sell drugs, they weren't saying look at this expensive chain I got, but that's how kids took it. The perception of it. Right. And there was really no one for rappers. Yeah, I had a role model. There was no one right now being rappers. People saying New York hip-hop died. There is no New York OG. No one is coming to New York 
and looking at young New York artists and saying, don't do like things this way. Right. That's the first time I ever heard him rap. He told me all the time he rapped. He never played Damn, nothing. That's the first wow. time. And I'm just like, he has no one in New York that's coming around to cause canvases. He that. had to wait for us to get you. Right. Out. When we were doing it all the time. And it's, it's funny that you say that. I can understand that. Because people always ask me, you know, when we walked the red carpets at MTV and the war shows, they, nobody ever said to us, mm-hmm. um, where'd you get your chain from? What kind of car you drive? And this and that. They would always say, why are you, and this is the catcher, why are you young people using the music that you're using and saying what you're saying? You're right. When we sampled a record, you know, when we sampled Bob Dylan or we sampled um, John Fogarty or we sampled um, David Bowie, we had album covers. Right. So we could read about what these dudes did. So it was one thing seeing John Lennon as a rich-ass rock star with the Beatles with millions of dollars, you know what I'm saying, being knighted by the Queen of England. But then you read, yo, he took his time out to say something about the Vietnam War. And even for us, coming up as DJs, we learned from our music. Marvin Gaye was a sex-love man, but he also made a record called What's Going On. You know what I'm saying? Pickett's son, sister, James Brown. Even though he was James Brown, that was his. That was who he was, the godfather, so hard. It's called the president still, funky. Right, the funky president, but they still with a Joe. There's a Ryan and Watts. So we had the right role models. But what I wanted to say about the material things, deeper than that, we put value on things that people didn't think was valuable. Because when, when, when we was coming up, we didn't have, we didn't have the technology. So we had to go to the park and bust the light pole open and play. We had to DJ and MC our music in the park for free until somebody heard the value of it. That's what I mean. And Killer Mike was just trying to say, when you point at a car instead of pointing at yourself, that's kind of how you think about yourself. You know what I'm saying? I got a record coming out in about three weeks called Flames. And it's about all the police shootings, all the shootings of, you know, all the innocent cops shooting the kids, the white cops shooting the kids, the kids shooting the kids, everybody shooting each other. And when we riot and I describe it like this, protest is good. Protest is us protesting to test the waters to see if the thing that is wrong is going to start it to be righted starting this day from now on. Don't I'm tired of having us protest and the situations don't change. Right. But when you riot and you tear down the city, you might think you be, you're tearing down inanimate objects. But I'm trying to explain to the lawmakers and to the law enforcers and to the politicians, when people are tearing down their cities, that's how they feel about this situation. That's how they feel about them inside. So hip-hop taught us to, okay, the message let us know it's messed up out there. And then Bam came with playing a rock, and that record told me, yo, no excuses, man. No excuses. Everything you need to be successful is inside of you. Now, it was like this. Hip-hop doesn't say, come do this my way to be successful. Hip-hop just asks one simple question. What could you do? Some of them young brothers and sisters said, man, I love music. I love music. I love jazz. I love rock and roll. I love vinyl. I love record connections. I love this technology. You know, in our days, the turntables and the mixer, the wires and plugging stuff up. So hip-hop said, young man, young girl, take your music to the park, bust that light pole open, and play it till people take notice. But now, who's going to lead us? That kid in the hallway right there. Who's going to lead him? Well... He, he waited for someone like you. Exactly. Exactly. And there are... Dozens of them on this campus I, alone. I know. And here's, 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 here's what's cool about technology. See, we used to have to take the um, turntables, the mixers, the record crates, the speakers, 
load it into the van, bring cases of records out to the park, bust the light pole open, run 10 extension cords across to do it all. Take your iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Get you a laptop, get you a, a amplifier and two big-ass speakers and go out into these streets now and do what we did in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Every We so busy trying to get on the radio and trying to get the record deal when if you do it right here, I always tell people this. Take the best song you ever made and gave it away. When I walk in the city, guys run up to me with their mixtape. DMC, check out my mixtape. And I say, all right, give it here. And they go, $5. I can't do that. I can't pay you now because I don't even know if this product is worth that. Don't you know if you make the best song you ever made and give it away, SoundCloud, and get it everywhere and everywhere that free, that when you do put something up for sale for ten ninety nine, those people will buy it. We need to create a relationship with the community that we're trying to to um to to be involved with. And don't I, I never wanted to be a celebrity superstar. I just wanted to rhyme. You're hundred percent right, but. The thing is, me. There's always a but. No, it's, you're 100. There's always a but. It never I hate, ends. I hate to, I hate Even, to do this. No, you got to. It's like the game is so over. I hate to say the game because I know yeah, you yeah, hate no, the word. No, no, it's it's oversaturated. It is, right. And it's everything. And dry. Right. And there's another thing, bad thing about technology. You forgot this part. The internet was cool and made an outlet for you to get out there and be heard and be seen. But there's so much bad stuff out there. The bad stuff has now become acceptable. Right. And what I mean by that, when I was in 10th grade at Rice High School on Lenox Avenue, uh, Mr. Burbage, I'll never forget his name. It happens in every culture, every civilization, in every artistic, financial, commercial aspect of the civilization, personal, emotional. Mr. Burbage said this to me in 10th grade. When everybody stinks, nobody stinks. So mm-hmm. with technology, there's so much bad stuff out there that to rap a certain way, to talk a certain way is now acceptable. There's no... See, he did it creatively. He didn't say, rapper's bullshit now and it's corny. Or, if, he put it in a story that made me grab my head and said, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying that. That's all I'm saying. We had to go in the parks. Um, um, innovation of your creativity is a powerful thing. We wanted to be in Studio 54. We wanted the fur coats. We wanted the Mercedes Benz. But young people, especially college kids, because I was there briefly, but when I do shows at colleges, I know we don't got no resources. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have no real estate. We didn't have no money. We didn't have no real estate. We had no financial backing and all of that. But when we needed a dance floor, here's what I'm saying. We got to, y'all got to get creative. When we needed a dance floor, what did somebody do? Yo, go over there and get that cardboard box. Now we got Duct a dance tape. floor. Look at the um, the Jabberwockies. When I go speak at high schools and middle schools, I say, when you look at MTV's greatest dancers or the, the best dancer, who always went the B-Boys? Who created the B-Boys? The young people. Don't you know the Jabberwockies, you got Britney Spears and J-Lo have a residency in Vegas? Don't you know the Jabberwockies got a residency in Vegas too? So we started busting light poles open. We started making our dance floors cardboard boxes on street corners. But what, what am I trying to say? That self-promotion marketing that you don't need dollars for. You got to constantly be more. I never wanted to rhyme, but run Joseph Simmons 
Every time there was a microphone, he wanted to get on that microphone and show that I'm better than Curtis Blow and Melly Mel and everybody like that. Y'all got the technology. Now you're just going to figure out a plan how to use it right. Like I said, when I walk in a room full of young people, it's a corporation in there. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just having, instead of just having your YouTube channel with just 100 songs of you, do what MTV used to do. You put your song up there, but put your boys up song up there. Put the girl up there that sings better than Mary J. Blige and Rihanna and J-Lo. So people could see diversity. The thing that made us conquer the world was Run DMC was the baddest thing on the face of the earth. But we didn't just sign people from Hollis Avenue. We didn't just bring all my friends and my cousins on a row. Because when you see monotony, when you see the same images and the same sounds over and over, when you came to a Run DMC show, even though we was kings, you got the Beastie Boys, some crazy-ass Jewish white boys rhyming. You got LL Cool J, who by himself survived in the midst. LL held down his generation by himself. He went up against P.E., Run DMC, Tribal. LL was the only solo rapper in the midst of all these groups. Then you had Houdini, mm -hmm. produced by Larry Smith. I know you want to talk about Larry. Houdini is like the OJs or the four tops of hip-hop. Then you had Run DMC. When you came to our shows, you had diversity. You've seen the total representation of your neighborhood. So you should have the guy that's doing the gangster rap. You know what I'm saying? In the cypher. You should have the guy that all of you shouldn't be doing the same things. But going back to your questions, you're 100% right. You're 100% right with, with your butt. But how do you overcome that? you got to get creative. Okay. Quick segue because um, we're going to run out of time. Larry Smith. Let's talk about Larry Smith. He, I don't think he was the first. He's the greatest hip-hop producer ever that nobody knows about. I'm glad you said that part. Because you said ever. I was like, wait. Ever. I was like, wait. No, ever. Ever. And I'm going to tell you why, too. Because the man took a drum machine and ever. blended rock and roll yep, with hip-hop. And I was like, how did that, how? For, all right. First of all, the reason why I say he's the greatest hip-hop producer ever that nobody knows about. When I say a certain producer's name, you s know his sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, the most producers, when you say their name, you know their M.O. Larry produced It's Like That. Larry produced Sarkram C's. Look at that difference. Larry produced Rockbox. Larry produced King of Rock. Larry, produ Larry Smith produced Run DMC's first two albums by himself and Houdini's album with Friends, Five Men, and Four. None of Larry's records sound the same. Go listen to a Run DMC album, all of our albums. There was so much divert. It wasn't like, oh, that's a Larry Smith record right there. Think about Friends and Five Minutes of Funks. Friends, Five Minutes of Funks, and Freaks Come Out at Night. Doom, doom, doom. All of that diversity. He's the greatest hip-hop producer ever nobody knows about. But then I put Larry Smith up in the top five producers ever just because of that blending of hip-hop and rock and roll. And I told his son, I said, your mission is to make sure the world knows who your father is is not was who your father is right. i mean put it like this L look how dope he is he produced it's like that he produced two years ago a friend and he produced da, 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 da. No, no, nobody's making music like that anymore oh. by itself and 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 just to add to the to, to the mystique of larry smith uh rick rubin one of the greatest producers ever again I mean, we got lucky you know i got a rhyme i got larry smith and rick rubin he blessed me but rick rubin is is celebrated because he he's involved with raising hell with us so larry smith is forgotten but i always say this if there was no rock box if there was no king of rock there would have been no walk this way because rock box was the first rock rap record ever 
then we did King of Rock, and then we did Walk This Way. And 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 the moral to that is this too. When we came out, it wasn't a lot of rap groups out. But at that time, if it was 30 groups out, it was a lot. So to add to your question about creativity, when we came into the game, we looked around and we did what others wasn't doing. They was rapping over James Brown bake beats. Mm -hmm. They was rapping over funk. They was rapping over disco, Good Times is a disco record. They was rapping over R&B, you know. Um, they was rapping over jazz. Before rap records was made and the DJs was playing in the park, there was rock records in that crate. Walk This Way was in there. Billy Squire's Big Beat, the one that we did. Here we go. Boom, bam, boom, here we go. So when we came in the game, Big Beat was one of my favorite records ever. Walk This Way, I didn't even know the song was Walk This Way. I just knew the album was Toys in the Attic. I used to tell Jay, get Toys in the Attic out and play number four. There was something about rock music, a loud drum and a loud rock guitar, which like a hope to me. Because think about a disco record. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. It's light. It's weak. Rock records was... It was aggressive. So when we came into the game, we said... we. It wasn't like we sat down and said, we're going to put rock with rap. We're going to become legendaries. We're going to become pioneers. And we're going to change the world. No, we said, yo, let's rap over rock records because nobody is using them. I always give advice to um, a lot of singers, a lot of artists and musicians and singers and rappers. Look at what everybody's doing and do something completely different. When Run DM, when, put it like this, you had the message. And when a message came out, if you go back and do your homework, there's a million message records that came out because the message was success, successful. It took Planet Rock to change the game. But when Planet Rock came out, go back and listen to R&B when Planet Rock came out. Everybody sampled that and wanted to imitate what Arthur Baker and um, Africa Bambada did with Planet Rock. Play at your own rage. Every record went up tempo. Then Run DMC came along with the rock songs. But then every rapper after us, did they try to emulate us? No. LL did something that was phenomenal to us. He came to the mic and said, he took off his shirt and said, when I'm alone in my room staring at, and nobody said that's punk stuff is soft stuff. We was like, oh, shoot. Yo, LL got this slow song rap song. It made everybody go back to the lab. P.E. came with their sound. De La Soul came with their sound. Um, N.W.A. came with their sound. Doctor, everybody came with a sound that added to the diversity of the game. Now, as you can see, New York, even New York, went Dirty South sound because that sound was so successful. Instead of looking, okay, that's what the Dirty South is doing. This is what they're doing in L.A. right now. Nobody went and innovatively said, let me do this. I mean, you, 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 you got great diversity of MCs from Kendrick Lamar to Kanye West, who's creative as hell, to um, Big Crit, you know what I'm saying, to what um, Run the Jewels is doing. Now, Run the Jewels is so effing dope right now that... They're doing Bonnaroo. They're doing all the big festivals. So those spirits is there. It's just how are we, what are we going to utilize to get ourselves there? Run DMC, when we first started, just to give you a history lesson, we had this like that suck MCs out. We was opening for Marvin Gaye and Parliament Funkadelic. We had to ourselves get to all these venues. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't paying for nothing. We had to show up, do the show to get our money. We would go to the backstage of these, 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 these big concert halls and knock on the door Security would come and say, who yo? We would go, yo, where run DMC? They would close the door in our face. So we knock on the door again, open the door, yo, where run DMC? Hold on, hold on, hold up, yo, go get the promoter. 
The promoter only spoke to Russell over the phone, so nobody knew we didn't have videos of album covers right. back then. So the promoter would come to the back door and say, okay, if this is Ron and this is DMC, where the band at? And like I said, we would point at Jay. And this is what the promoter would say. And we was getting like 1200 to $1,500, which was a lot back then for a kid right out of high school. But the promoter would go, you mean I'm paying you all that money just to play records? That's what they <laughs> thought about. And we would go, yep, and we would go in there and kick ass. But then we realized that, man, to compete with these bands and stuff, what are we going to do? When you look at all the elements of hip-hop from its, the days of its, its inception to where to when, to when it exploded, there was always an uh, X factor in there that would change the game. You know what I'm saying? What Kendrick Lamar is doing isn't new, but it's just that he did it in this generation. So I always tell my son who wants to rap right now and this and that. Never say, and I tell the girls this, never say you want to be like Rihanna or J-Lo or Mary J. Blige. Never say you want to be like, you know, Run DMC, 50 Cent, Jay-Z, or Little Rain. You got to go out there and put the fear of God of them in them to make them stop and sit down and say, oh, my God, I can't believe this is coming. And that's all Run DMC did. I, I'm, I'm not lyrically inclined like a Jay-Z or, or, or Lil Wayne or Eminem. So I'm not going to waste 16 bars trying to go up against these dudes. I'm going to get in like the Hulk and Hulk smash you with four or five bars. All of my classic lyrics is no longer than six lines. But those are six lines that when nobody else's lines is being heard, they will all, for history, people say, the best, the best, the best couple of lines in an opening, I'm the king of rock, there is none higher. That will last forever as opposed to, remember, what record was that when DMC spit that 16 bar? I don't like to waste time. Get creative with your delivery. You know what I'm saying? Get creative with your presentation. Remember I said, hip-hop is about how you creatively and artistically present who you are. And, and, and that being said, let me keep it real. It's not going to be easy. I come from a time where I used to could go to a record company and make an appointment like I made at the dentist this morning. You go sit in the lobby. There'll be a bunch of other people in here. The, the, the label heads is taking meetings in. You go in and you play your cassette tape. If they like your song, they sign you a deal. If they don't, you, you, you leave and go to the next thing. Now, y'all know, they look and see who has the most um, likes. Or plays, views. Like, and plays like that. And a lot of this stuff, nothing against it. Because I can never critique another person's creativity. Mm -hmm. But me speaking from, I'm 51, but I speak from the area of 12 to 25 when I judge hip-hop now. A lot of the records that we think are really great are just good demos. They could be better. And I wanted to say this in the first segment. The reason why our stuff wasn't just about us being celebrities, when we were young people, we demanded more from each other. That's why I said we wanted. I wanted. I wanted to legally get my license. Mm -hmm. I wanted to impress my mother and father. I wanted to impress. You know, when we first went into the MTV Music Awards, we wanted Cher and Bon Jovi and Lou Reed and Joey Ramone and 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 and, and all of those artists, all of those icons to respect our culture. So we know we can have fun. You know what I'm saying? We run DMC. We live the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. But because our position in the game, we never put those images on the records. I drank more. I drank a case of forty ounces a day, but I never. I made a good record about my sneaker, as opposed to the, to me and Run and Jay. We got high as hell. Let me just keep it real. With <laughs> we got high as hell. We smoked a lot of weed. I drank a lot of forty ounces, but I would never put that on a record because I know somebody was looking and listening. So 
Get creative with your delivery. Get creative with your presentation. And always stay sincere to the reason why you wrote your first rhyme in the first place. That's the only thing that keeps me going. I hear a beat and I just write a rhyme to it. Maybe it'll never come out. Maybe maybe the record will never come out, but I'm not going to stop writing. Remember when Keenan Rock said, I won't stop rocking until I retire. You could, you could, Run DMC, we got dropped from my label. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a label right now. A lot of us OGs, besides that they think we're not worth it, a lot of the times is, oh, you're over. Nobody want to hear that no more. But a lot of times we don't get up on the stages with this current. We don't get up on stage with a lot of players playing the game right now because a lot of them are scared of putting us up on the stage. Four years ago, I was doing a motorcycle um, convention, and I was just there as a celebrity to sign autographs and hang out and meet the people. And the guy was like, yo, you staying for the show tonight? And I was like, the show tonight? He said, yeah. I was like, who's performing? Big Daddy King. So I stayed to see the really? show. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and it was a packed house. It was about 2,000 people, right? Big Daddy King comes. The DJ comes out. So there's motorcycle people who have never seen a rap show before. The DJ comes out, talks to the people. I'm such and such, this and that. We about to bring Kane. Let me do it. The DJ starts doing tricks or whatever. He calls Kane. Kane comes out dancing like James Brown. It was crazy. Then Kane goes into his, 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 his show, and I forgot about all the hits that Kane got. Come, get some, you little bum. Ain't no half-stepping up. But this is what I'm trying to say. There was a lady there. She probably was like 42 years old, probably in her 40s, right? And she had a daughter with her. Her daughter probably was maybe, I don't know, 16, 17 years old. And these are the words from the daughter. Kane's on stage, killing it. Mommy, mommy, mommy. And I just laughed. She said these words. Who is that man <laughs> and what is he doing because I like that? See, the kids, they see, um, well, what used to be MTV and, you know, they see the videos now and they listen to Hot 97. But hip-hop isn't just about the records and the videos and the album cover. Hip-hop is about the experience. You know what I'm saying? Hip-hop is about the experience. There's a multitude of artists, old school, young and old, that put on great shows. Look at Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh is probably the best performer in hip-hop ever. You know, I sat around a table with Dougie Fresh, Rakim, Kumo D, and Big Daddy Kane. And I'm DMC. Supposed to be the biggest Willie in the room. And I realize I know my place. But the beautiful thing about that, I never get to hear Rakim talk. And the things that he said, his knowledge of jazz music, and he wanted to be a jazz, he used to play jazz, and this and that, and I used to write my words to be like a horn. I was like, what the hell? But I left it inspired. And what I was trying to say is, I'm 51, and people always come to me with their demos. Yo, I'm 51 years old, but you got to understand, I'm on the outside like you, young boy. You know what I'm saying, a young girl? You trying to get in me? I'm trying to get back in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get back in. So I got to be creative with, with, with what I do. So what I'm doing now to get back in, I'm not coming back in and try to do what I did through my whole career. What I'm doing now with my new music, all my music will be made with live musicians. And it's going to be straight up rock. Am I getting exclusive? That's all I need. Am I getting yes. exclusive? When I leave here, I'm gonna email you the first single. I'm, right now, I'm gonna email you the. Right now, when we end this, I'm gonna email you. Get the exclusive. No, you really getting the first exclusive of this record. This record is a record called Flames about a situation affecting all our communities. It's not a protest record, and it's not a record to divide. It's a record for change. It's gonna make us think. It's produced by John Moyer from the rock band Disturbed mm -hmm. and his DMC with Miles Kennedy. 
If you don't know who Miles Kennedy is, then shame on you. One of the greatest voices in rock music. And I wanted to do a record, a black dude with two white guys doing rock and roll about an issue affecting the black community because that's what it's about. I don't need us taking sides anymore. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to take sides. We need to wake up every day and do something about all the situations, whether it's education, whether it's the white cops shooting the black kids, whether it's unemployment, whether it's there's no resources or no artistic programs in my hoods because i'm keeping it real whoever is about to take office after obama leaves he's about to have a problem you know what i'm saying why because like you said the ogs need to speak up our people always say dmc why are you speaking so much because when i was run dmc i had a role run did all the speaking but now I realize why I had to be quiet for 30 years. Because if you thought my first 25 years in this business was impactful with just me talking records, what about what's going to happen when I do turn the music off? So I want to inspire, motivate, educate, and not just have us do a song about a situation to get, um, to, 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 to get attention. Let me tell you something. In the old school concept, when, when we came, when Mo came, when Mel came, when Run DMC came, when Chuck D came, stuff started changing. Stuff started changing to the point where I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in conspiracy theories. But if you're going to play a record on the radio about getting high, and this is the old radio station, because of hip-hop and what's going on in our communities, it's the risk. I don't care about your money and your million-dollar corporate stuff. You need to go to the guys writing those checks and say, all right, you're giving me $10 to do your agenda. I need another $2 million so we can do this agenda. On radio, on hip-hop radio, if you play a record about a gun, the very next record needs to be not about using a gun. Right. If you play a record about a strip club, you got to realize everybody don't go to strip clubs. You got to play a record about the mother who worked every day to send all her five kids to college. If you play a record about a fight, you need to play a record about the young man or girl that's in the hood that's a painter. We need the children, we need our young kids not to be ashamed that you're taking violin lessons. There's so much talent in the hip-hop community but the images the negative images that dominate our airwaves and our media will make that kid be in a room with this guy talking about how much sex he had this guy talking about how much money he got this guy talking about his car where this kid is ashamed to say i take piano lessons why shouldn't you be ashamed of playing a piano or violin because there's a place called carnegie hall there's a country called russia there's another country called Japan where you will, you, you will be flying first class and flying on private jets the same way DMC and 50 Cent fly and Jay-Z because you're going to play with the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra or you're a sculptor and you're going over to Rome to display your category. When I was young, we never teased a kid if he had to go home and do it because we knew he was going somewhere. It seems like hip-hop don't want us to go nowhere. They want to keep us right here in the midst of all the nonsense that continually goes on. Um, I'll just leave you with this. The reason why I wasn't afraid to say the rhyme that I wrote in my basement that I thought nobody would ever hear. I'm DMC in the place to be. I go to St. John's. I didn't come out rhyming. I'm DMC from Hollis, Queens, and I'm bad, and this, and I got guns and nines. I had none of that. I had comic books, and I wore glasses, so mm -hmm. that's what I rapped about. But the reason why I wasn't afraid to do that, 
the generation of hip hoppers before me. I did it the way that I did it. But people need to know, what was Obama's um, campaign called when he came out? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Now, I was in Japan, right, when Obama first won. And I was over there doing press, doing the whole press junket or whatever. I was doing the show in Japan. And I'm sitting there, and when Obama wins, the Japanese people in the room, the white people in the room, the black people in the room, everybody jumps up and they're celebrating, right? And I'm sitting there like this. I'm watching this. I'm sitting there like this, right? And everybody's sitting. So I'm watching intensely because I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I really live to see a black president on this. So I'm <laughs> thinking all of that, right? And when they turned to me and they're all happy and this and that, and, and one of the Japanese journalists said, DMC, this is a big event, this and that. And I nonchalantly, in my hip-hop culture thing that I live, breathe, and sweat every day, said, yeah, that's cool, but it don't impress me. And when I did, I said, yeah, that's cool, but it don't impress me. And I went back to what I was doing, and you could hear a pin drop. And when I turned to look at the people, they were like this. And I said, oh, oh let me explain myself. <laughs> Obama's thing was called Yes, We Can Can. In 1984... The treacherous street, Kumo D, before he went solo and battled LL with How You Like Me Now and all that. The treacherous street did a record where, as a DJ, this is good for y'all. Before rappers was made, the Pointer Sisters had a song called Yes We Can Can that went do ba do ba doom 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 And we used to freestyle over it. And the chorus was, I know we can make it. I know that we can. I know darn well that we can work it out. So you heard it already. Right, but it's deeper than that. I heard it from some young folks. Obama became the physical entity that Kumo D prophesized when he was a teenager. But it gets deeper than that. On that record, Kumo D said these words. He said, evil destruction, tax deduction, price inflation rocks the nation and unemployment is on the rise. It's hard to find a compromise. And if it lasts like this for a long enough time, won't lead to nothing but a higher level of crime. Heard everything that I said? Look at our community now. But then he went on to that. Then they went in about the situation. And your homework is St. John's University. Go to YouTube or Google and Google Treacherous Tree. Yes, we can, can. But my inspiration came from one thing that Kumo D said. I lived in Hollis, Queens. My mother paid for me to go to Catholic elementary school. My mother paid for me to go to Rice High School. And my mother and father paid for me to go to St. John's University. My father drove an Electra 225. My mother worked for, she was a registered nurse, and my father worked for transit. He wasn't a bus driver. He was a boiler man. He worked in the gutter all his year to provide for his son. And I remember the day he brought an Electra 225. Electra 225 is like a lower level of a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. But, so, Kumo Dean of Church of Street is from the Bronx. The Bronx was a war zone in the 70s and 80s. So I was scratching my head and said, how can these young dudes who have less than me be talking about positive things? And Kumo D said this rhyme, which inspired me to do the St. John's rhyme on DMC, St. John's University. Kumo D said this, once a nobody from the neighborhood, I took a hop to the top because I knew that I would excel over the rest because I make progress. I don't consider it luck because I'm not blessed. Got my life all together. Love the way that I live. Go to school. Know I'm cool and I think positive. And then he said, but it's a right to have fun. Lots of pleasures and joys, but it's a brain that separates the men from the boys. I had to pull a needle back. And for the girls, it's a right to have fun. Lots of diamonds and pearls. But it's a brain that separates the ladies, the women from the girls. And when he said that to me, Kubo is probably only two years older than me. So I was like, this young brother is saying that. 
And then I did my investigation. I was already set up. So going back to ask your other question, all of our young dudes is prepared. They have what it is for. They have what it is necessary for them to succeed. But they're going to need a little help. It's hard for DMC to help a lot of these brothers because a lot of times these corporations don't want to mess with me because I'm old news. You know what I'm saying? That's why I said in this room, y'all got to come up with a plan. You know, you be the manager, this and that. Because, look, college is only four years. And it's not about getting the degree because sometimes we get these degrees and we don't get the jobs. That's another thing that's crazy. You know, I might I might really have to run for for. I don't know if I want to run for president, but I want to be, I don't even want to be politician. I want to be the God, people-tician. I'm going to, oh, there's a problem with some, so I'm going to go in there and change it. Just like, out of all of this stuff, the two greatest things that I ever did in my lifetime wasn't the Grammy Awards and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, no, not the Grammys. Not the yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Grammys. Fame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not too. those. Yeah. And then, you know, not to be the first to go gold, first to go platinum, first no, to No, not that rolls. at all. The greatest, one of the greatest things that I did was stay sober. I've been sober for 10 years. The second greatest thing that I did is um, at age 35, I found out that I was adopted. Then I found out that I was a foster kid. And when I found that news out, yeah, it hurt. It hurt cause then really? My, yeah, my mother and father knew. All my cousins knew. All the teachers in my school knew. The mailman knew. My doctor. Everybody knew. But it was a secret that they was keeping from me because they loved me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when I found out that I was adopted, then I found out that I was a foster kid. Then everything started making sense. And, and uh, when I got, I, got I, I, I found my birth mother. My birth mother was living in Staten Island this whole time. And when I met my birth mother, I said to her, she said to me, I know you're dying to know why I gave you up for adoption. And I was like, lady, that's an understatement. And she <laughs> said, I gave you up to give you a chance. And when I look back at my life, um, when I, my house, my mother and father always had other foster kids in there. But for some reason, they needed to keep me. If my mother and father didn't keep me in Hollis, Queens, I would have never met Run. You know what I'm saying? I would have never did what I did. But what I'm saying is I found out this secret about me, but it had to happen that way. So what I represent for hip-hop is the same thing that represents hip-hop as a culture. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your situation, you're homeless, you're a foster kid, you're an adopted kid, you ain't with your mother, you're with your mother, but you ain't got your father. Your situation doesn't define who you are. I don't like people to look at me as a celebrity. I don't like people to look at me as rich and famous. I hate when my peers and my friends call, say, yo, DMC, I'm your fan, because that implies that above you. World, I am not better than you. I am not smarter than you. I am not greater than you. I am not even more talented than you. When you hear my record or you see my video on TV, I want you to know that I am you. And until the day I die, I will continue to represent this thing called hip hop to the highest degree possible. On that note, you have a call on the line. Oh, real quick. Let's see what this is about. Hello, you on WSAU. Who is this? Hello. 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 Hey, Hello. What's happening? Who are you? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Who's this? Uh, Peter. Hey, Peter. Hey, where Peter. you at? Uh, Queens. Queens, New York. Oh, what's happening, man? You got a question for DMC, Peter? Uh, I, uh, no, actually, not particularly. I thought uh, there was another radio station. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, we're glad to have you, Peter. Yeah, well, it's great to hear you. I didn't know you were on, but that's, um, that's great. Okay. Cool, man. Keep it real. Wrong number, but hey. Love all the children, man. Take care of the kids. They are our most valuable Definitely. resource. Definitely. Cool. I definitely will. Bye, Peter. Take it easy.
You can imagine he goes home to his wife right now. Hey, my, hey I dialed the wrong number, and it was um, DMC next line. How crazy is that? But, um, yeah, we got to wrap up because it's supposed to go at 6.30, and that was 7. Yep. I'm going to be in trouble. I know. But it's all good. It's all good. Real quick. Yeah, I See, the man. problem with Manager. me is, the problem with me is, it's hard for me, like, I can't even do interviews because there's so much that I need to get out of me, and I don't know, maybe one day I'll write a book. Yo, you can always come back. I'm not oh, gonna, yes. I'm I'll not going to stop back. you. I, I will, will never stop you. Yeah, you know, you know what? what? I'll come back when the album drops because then we can just talk music. Beautiful. That's the deal. And if this you're doing a biopic, I'll gladly be J-Message J. Forget <laughs> the, hold on, everybody was asking me, forget the, forget the, Forget the biopic because they're already starred in Crush Groove that is classic and large. As the story goes on, DJ Run gets God, DMC gets heavy metal because I'm keeping it hard. But don't get it twisted because I roll with the Lord. Weapons and ballistics swing a mic like a sword. Like Iron Fist, I'll break your MNF and jaw. And if you step into the cage, I said your ass is getting floored. Describe my music as the gangster hard rock. My style, I use it every chance that I got. I drop jewels and wisdom every chance that I get. And if the fools refuse to listen, man, I don't get upset. If you talk about music, then you'll have to mention me. I'm the king of rock is the caption that you see. Repping for hip-hop, satisfaction guaranteed. And I never forgot what Michael Jackson said to me. He said, DMC, DMC, you're great. So keep rocking rhymes in these altered states. Those approaching you make a big mistake. And all those that do have sealed their fate. That's on the new record. Ladies and gentlemen, DMC. Real quick before we cut out, uh, where can people reach you if they want to write or contribute to your comic book? Um, um, you can reach me at um, on on Instagram. It's DMC Makes Comics. Okay. My Instagram is King DMC, and my Twitter is the King DMC. I got my website about to be set up soon, and since I'm a visionary pioneering guy who have crazy thoughts. When you come to my website, it's not going to just be the typical website. I didn't know the internet was only around since the 90s. Yes. That's crazy. So when you come to my website, I'm not going to have the typical website where you click on in this. I'm about to launch Daryl's Music Channel. Like MTV used to be a place where you could go discover. So in a minute, all of you great artists, like the young man I just met in the hallway, I'm going to start with Daryl's Music Channel on the internet until I build Daryl's Music Channel into a big corporate entity that will not sell out and start showing your reality shows. <laughs> I'm going to be the only one that starts a company, a black-owned company, independently, and I'm never, ever going to sell it. But I'm going to open up a door so I can provide access to like that young man in there. If they don't want to allow me to bring him in, I'm going to create it myself the same way I did Daryl Makes Comics. And shout out to all artists, writers, anchors, pencilers, and story writers who are involved in comics because we are geeks and we are nerds and we rule the world. Here to hear first on WSJU Radio. I'm your boy Nick Sears of DMC. Live from WSJU Radio. Top of the man, left fourth floor. We're out. Peace.